Hi, this is Jake, and you're listening to the Flight Training Podcast. So this month, we are talking about the discipline of confession, and I'm going to be leaning heavily this month on Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster and his chapter on this, and he describes it as a corporate discipline. Now, what does that mean by corporate? He's not talking about businesses. What he's talking about there is that it's uh, a discipline that we do with other people. It's not private. It's not something we just do by ourselves. Now, Foster's clear in his book, and and I want to be clear with you guys, that obviously confession can happen just one-on-one with Jesus. We don't need anybody else. We don't need a priest or anyone else to stand between us. Uh, There's all over the New Testament, we'll talk about this, but 1 Timothy uh, 2, verse 5, and the beginning of verse 6, make it really clear. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So the mediator that we need to get to God is only Jesus. You don't need anyone else's approval or permission or forgiveness. It's just about connecting with Jesus. So if that's the case, I mean, that's a lot of us understand that as Christians, we get taught that, that Jesus is all we need to get to God. Very true. So if that's the case, then most people think, okay, well, I'm just going to pray by myself and confess things to God and, and ask for forgiveness. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that can be the total system and it can be healthy. But we're missing out on something that God's given us, uh, which is corporate confession or confessioning to your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, as a way to connect with Jesus and his forgiveness. Now, we're going to be talking through this a lot all month on this corporate side, the idea of you and another person sitting in a room, one of you confessing sin, the other one uh, offering Jesus' forgiveness and declaring that to them. So it's kind of an intense thing that we're talking about doing. Where is it coming from? Well, it does also come from the New Testament. Uh, James chapter 5 is talking about if there's anybody in trouble or sick, like get a group of people together, the church, get the elders together. Let me just read the, the passage here. Sorry, I'm starting to explain it. James 5, 13 through 16, is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, verse 16 is really what we want to zero in on for confession. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. This idea that God is giving us something good by giving us brothers and sisters in the faith. And that when we confess our sins to a brother in the faith or a sister in the faith, I would, I would keep it same gender on, a, on an intense conversation like that. But um, anyways, if you're a guy, confess to guys. If you're a girl, confess to girls. What I'm getting at that. But uh, when we confess to each other, there's a pathway there to healing. There's a power that comes from confessing and praying together. And so what we're going to be talking about this month is how do you do this well? Because most people have no concept within uh, typical American church. I mean, obviously there's some denominations that will have confession as something that a priest or someone does, but most people don't have a concept of this idea of just a normal Christian, kind of put quotes around that, receiving a confession from another Christian and that being important. So we're going to be breaking it down this month. And today I wanted to start with a kind of a description of a very big confession moment for Richard Foster, the guy that wrote this book. I want to read it out of the book. It's a couple of pages, so it's kind of a long quote. 
I'll break it down a little bit as we read it, but it comes from his book, and it's a description of something that he went through with confession. So he said that although I had read in the Bible about the ministry of confession in the Christian Brotherhood, I never experienced it until I was pastoring my first church. I did not take the difficult step, the difficult step of laying bare my inner life to another out of any deep burden or sense of sin. I did not feel there was anything wrong in the least except one thing. I longed for more power to do the work of God. So what is he saying there? He's saying, I first took this big step to confession, not because I was super wracked by guilt or because I felt so terrible or because I'd done something so worse than normal. It was this idea of I wanted more of God's power. He said, I longed for more power to do the work of God. I felt inadequate to deal with many of the desperate needs that confronted me. There had to be more spiritual resources than I was experiencing, and I'd had all the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit experiences you're supposed to have. You named them, I'd had them. Lord, I prayed, is there more you want me to is there more you want to bring into my life? I want to be conquered and ruled by you. If there's anything blocking the flow of your power, reveal it to me. That's an awesome prayer right there. I'm like, God, I want more of you. I want to be totally conquered by you. If there's anything in the way of the two of us, show me. So then he says that God did not by an audible voice or even through any human voice, but simply by a growing impression that perhaps something in my past was impeding the flow of his life. So I devised a plan. I divided my life into three periods, childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. On the first day, I came before God in prayer and meditation, pencil and paper in hand, inviting him to reveal to me anything during my childhood that needed either forgiveness or healing or both. I waited in absolute silence for some 10 minutes. Anything about my childhood that surfaced to my conscious mind, I wrote down. I made no attempt to analyze the items or put any value judgment on them. My assurance was that God would reveal anything that needed his healing touch. Having finished, I put the pencil and paper down for the day. The next day, I went through the same exercise for my adolescent years and the third day for my adult years. So, listen to what he's describing there. He didn't just go on for weeks and weeks judging himself and trying to pull out every little thing he did wrong. He prayed and said, God, if there's something in my past that needs healing or forgiveness, show it to me. Then he sat still for 10 minutes, which takes a little bit of effort to do. But he sat still for 10 minutes. Then he wrote down everything that came to mind. He did it for childhood one day, adolescent years one day, then for his adult years one day. Paper in hand, I then went to a dear brother in Christ. I had made arrangements with him a week ahead, so I understood the purpose of our meeting. Slowly, sometimes painfully, I read my sheet, adding only those comments necessary to make the sin clear. When I had finished, I began to return the paper to my briefcase. I want to stop here for just a minute. So what he did here, he didn't explain his whole life story. He didn't give a lot of excuses for why he did these things. But he went through, and some of the, if you've been in AA and gone through steps, some of this might be connecting with some stuff you've already done. But he went through all these things, and not necessarily about making amends or something like that, but just saying, here's where I send. Here's where I need Jesus' forgiveness. And just explained enough to, to get responsible about, I did something wrong. So then he takes that piece of paper, and he's going to return it to his briefcase. It says, wisely, my counselor slash confessor gently stopped my hand and took the sheet of paper. Without a word, he took a wastebasket, and as I watched, he tore the paper into hundreds of tiny pieces and dropped them into it. That powerful, nonverbal expression of forgiveness was followed by a simple absolution. 
My sins, I knew, were as far away as the east is from the west. Now, absolution, if you're not familiar with that term, that means uh, that you've been forgiven of your sins. It's a statement of your you've been made right with God. This idea that you've confessed, and by Jesus' work, you've been forgiven. Jesus has paid the cost for those sins. That's what an absolution is. Next, my friend, with laying on of hands, prayed a prayer of healing for all the sorrows and hurts of the past. The power of that prayer lives with me today. I cannot say I experienced any dramatic feelings. I did not. In fact, the entire experience was an act of sheer obedience with no compelling feelings in the least. But I am convinced that it set me free in ways I had not known before. It seemed that I was released to explore what were for me new and uncharted regions of the Spirit. Following that event, I began to move into several of the disciplines described in this book I had never experienced before. Was there a causal connection? I do not know, and frankly, I do not care. It was enough to have obeyed the inner prompting from above. So, and then he goes on to talk about how, like, him confessing in this way allowed that person he went and confessed to to actually make a confession, which something we can maybe talk about later, that, like, when one person gets honest, sometimes it opens a door for other people to confess and be honest. So that... I'm going to leave that on the wayside, but that's a good thing, too. So I love Foster's description here. This wasn't a big emotional thing. Not that emotions are evil or that if you feel emotions helping charge your confession, that's not terrible. But what he's saying is God pushed, put this in my heart, and I obeyed it. And then God blessed me with more of, of his Holy Spirit. And maybe there, is a, a, maybe there is a link, maybe there's not. There certainly is a link to being the type of person who obeys the type of person who does the things that Jesus tells them to do, that opens us up to more of God. Now, if you follow his exact steps, will you have more of the Holy Spirit in your life? I think that's where we're bleeding over into legalism, but we want to look at Richard Foster as an example. This is a type of confession that he did. Now, for you this week, I'm going to be pushing you in the challenge to do a confession. You don't necessarily have to do what Richard Foster did of looking back over your whole life, but I do want you to get serious about confessing a sin in your life. And to quote someone that Richard Foster also quotes. It's this guy I'm not really familiar with, St. Alphonsus Liguri. Um, He says, for a good confession, three things are necessary. An examination of conscience, sorrow, and a determination to avoid sin. So when you're thinking about what what is this confession I'm supposed to do this week? Well, what you're supposed to do is find some Christian uh, who we feel like has the maturity uh, and is trustworthy enough to receive a confession from you. Uh, you could look into someone that's already gone through flight training. They've already been trained on this. You could look into, you know, one of the pastors at church or something like that. But you want to find somebody that's not going to be totally new to the idea of confession. Might be ideal. But you can find who the person that you pick. But it's essential they're a Christian and essential that, that there's a trust between the two of you. So then when you go and meet with them, you want to have beforehand really looked at your own conscience. That's what Richard Foster was doing when he sat down and said, like, God, is there anything in me that's wrong? So I want you to sit down and, and ask God, like, God, is there anything in me that's that's wrong? Is there something I've done that's sinful? And don't be vague. Get specific, okay? If God told you to get up and read the Bible on Monday, and instead of doing that, you went out and did something else, then that's a very specific thing. But if you just say, well, I'm... I'm sinning because I don't give God enough time. Well, like, well, get specific. Okay, what did you do that was wrong? Okay, uh, sorrow is the second thing that he says is essential. Now, this doesn't mean that you're crying necessarily. It doesn't even mean that you feel these overwhelming sad feelings. But what it means is there is regret. There's this idea of like I, like Jesus died for me, 
because I did things wrong. And one of the things I did wrong was fill in the blank. And there's this feeling of like, I wish I hadn't done that. There's this feeling of regret or sorrow of like, man, that was the wrong thing to have done. The final one is a determination to avoid sin. This idea of like, I don't want to do that anymore. This doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be perfect because you can confess when you're struggling in the middle of an addiction or some other struggle. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, but it means that in this moment you want to become perfect. Like you want to be better uh, and you're looking to Jesus for help. Okay. You want to change. So what you need to do this week is find someone else to confess to, but also spend some time figuring out what is the sin I need to confess? Do I really regret having done that? Like, am I ready to confess that I really want to go different, that I really want to repent? Uh, and and if, if you can say that, like, I've really looked at my heart. I've, God has laid something on my heart that's wrong that I've done, and I know it was wrong. And I'm determined to, to, to ask Jesus to help me do better. I want to do better. Then you're ready to confess. And when you go to that person, we're going to keep talking through confession, and, and we'll get into more of it. But when you go to that person, say, look, you know, whoever you are, let's call him Jack. You know, Jack, I'm here today not because you're perfect, but I'm here today because Jesus lives inside of you. And Jesus has laid on my heart, I did something wrong. And I, and you could even quote him, James five sixteen, and say, you know, this verse in James says we should confess sins to each other and pray for each other. And so like, I want to confess something to you because I don't want to do it anymore. I want to change. And I want you to hear what I have to say. I want you to pray for me. And if they've been trained in it, hopefully they will do an absolution time where they say, like, Jesus forgives you. You you might not be able to push them to do that. Um, but that's the challenge for this week. I'm excited to come back and hear how this goes this week. And as we continue this month, uh, we're going to continue to get to do this practice of giving and receiving confessions. And it's not going to be comfortable, to be honest, but there's a lot of healing that can come through this. And there's a lot of connection with God that can come through this. Lots of good stuff. We'll continue to talk about that in the coming weeks. Um, but it's worth uh, the pain, honestly, that it'll take to get into it. Okay, like any good discipline, it's not always comfortable, but it's worth it. Okay, it gives space for God to grow in us. So excited for you guys to get started on it this week. <laughs> <laughs>